Welcome to the Album Nerds Podcast with your hosts, Andy, Todd, and Dude. Hello, and welcome to the Album Pod Nerdcast. I'm Dude, got Don and Andy with me. Andy, how you doing, my friend? Yeah, dude, you're not like having a stroke or something, are you, man? Or? I'm not. I am, okay. uh, I am at the behest of, of one of our listeners, Finger of Doom. There you go, Finger of Doom. Thanks for listening. We'll be, uh, we'll be watching our Venmo for a donation. <laughs> <laughs> so how you doing, Andy? So, <laughs> are you implying that people could just pay us money to say things at the top of the show? I'm not implying it. I'm straight out saying it. <laughs> We're taking donations. It's called sponsorship. Shout outs on the show. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Just been sitting out in the yard, surrounded with my gnomes, as I like to do. <laughs> your gnomes. Tuesday morning. You do love your gnomes. Do. Don, how you doing, man? Yo, gnomes, smell you later. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I get it. You're welcome. Uh, I'm good. I'm good. Sorry. Always with the really great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did the gnome joke, and so. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's good. He's good. So that's a, you just you just owe us a joke at the top, and that's it. Then you can just sit on he's your hands. <laughs> I thought maybe you'd talk about... Uh, what we're what we're doing here on the show today, we are uh, going to be discussing three albums, as always, because we are album nerds. We'll be answering a question. We'll be spinning that wheel of musical destiny to find out what we'll talk about on the next show. We will be talking about the Traveling Wilburys today, the way that things went with the spins, with the years that we landed on, with the artists that we covered, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison. We kept ma- making mentions of the Traveling Wilburys. When we spun the wheel... It legitimately landed on a topic that has been on there for months and months and Wait, months. Are people calling this into question? Well, it doesn't see the wheel. I, I, it just seems very convenient when I'm listening back to our old shows, but it is I not see. planned. This is just destiny. <laughs> just meant to be. All right, on to the traveling Wilburys. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Right, Traveling Wilburys were a super group formed in 1989. Uh, the band members were listed uh, on the first album under various pseudonyms. Uh, basically, they were pretending to be half-brothers, uh, sons of a, a fictional Charles Truscott Wilbury Sr. So you have Bob Dylan, who was known as Lucky Wilbury. George Harrison was Nelson Wilbury. Jeff Lynne was Otis Wilbury. Roy Orbison was Lefty Wilbury. Uh, and Tom Petty was Charlie Wilbury Jr. <laughs> so anyway, the, the Traveling Wilburys recorded two albums together. The second, uh, unfortunately, came after the, the passing of Roy Orbison. Today, each of us is going to present an album you know, from this Traveling Wilburys universe. So it could either be uh, an album from the Traveling Wilburys, or it could be you know one of the uh, members of the uh, of the group's you know solo work. Would you say the Wilburys cinematic universe? Yes. <laughs> so coming into this week, I mean, we had already talked about Bob Dylan. We'd already talked about Roy Orbison recently. Uh, we talked about Jeff Lynne not too long ago. So going into this, I, I had some familiarity, of course, with Tom Petty and all these guys. It was a little... I knew what album I was going to do immediately, which I've been avoiding because it's super overwhelming but we'll get to it. What about you guys? How did you feel coming into this? Like, did you know what you were going to do or was it a struggle? Oh, for me, it was a real struggle. I was put some serious hours into listening to some of these groups I hadn't really dug into too much. Like Tom Petty, Roy Orbison's 80s work, and ELO. I'd never listened to them really much before. So 
Yeah, I listen to those guys a lot. Um, I shot a, a couple of quick records. Uh, Tom Petty's Wildflowers, I thought was really good in the 90s. Uh, Orbison's Mystery Girl in the 80s, I thought was also really good. And I don't know, ELO was interesting, but we'll get to them more in a second. That was definitely a learning experience for me. Uh, well, you know, I was happy about the topic, but I, I figured it'd be good to, to actually talk about, you know, one of the, the Traveling Wilburys uh, albums. And because, I mean, even even if it's not a great album, and I guess we'll, we'll discuss that, but it, it's definitely, you know, I, I think a, a good conversation starter. Yeah, excited to, to talk about that. Yeah, I think the Traveling Wilburys are a known commodity, but I don't know a lot of people that have, are familiar with the music Really, just the concept. So, yeah, this will be fun. Gentlemen, it's time to choose. You choo-choo-choose me? All right, well, I'm going to start things off with one of those ELO records that you mentioned there. Talk about the album El Dorado. came out back in September of 1974. Project of Jeff Lynn, who was a part of the Traveling Wilburys. We're going to play the lead single. This is Can't Get It Out of My Head. Lynn was ahead of his time, man. That's pretty. That's pretty sexy, Jeff. Recognize <laughs> that production style, anyway. So, yeah, I mean, you can really hear the Wilberry in there. <laughs> Taste the Wilberry. Yeah, that's been in my head all week. Yes. Totally. Just by saying it, he somehow hypnotizes it into your brain. So this is ELO's fourth studio album from the Birmingham, England. So yeah, three-piece. They usually have three primary members. I think Jeff is the only consistent member in this group, but they are comprised of a lot of other musicians. There's a full orchestra and choir utilized on this record. It is notable in ELO's discography because it's really the first concept record they took on. Uh, deals with this story of a disillusioned dreamer as kind of referenced by the uh, Wizard of Oz artwork. And we uh, we follow him through a series of fantastical dreams until uh, kind of a tragic ending. So my three words for this record were daydream your life away. Kind of what happens. Uh, Donald, if I had a guess knowing your musical taste a little bit over the last few months i would think you'd enjoy this record what did you what did you think um yeah i i, I did like it uh the the three words i i used to describe it were uh, electric light orchestra how's that for cheating oh, wow. uh, <laughs> so you but, just took the band name and put it into yeah. your words wow yeah well so I, it's one of those rare times i think where the the band name sort of reflects what they're what they're actually doing because it is you know it's this electric you know orchestra uh and i i think the I think the the motivation be behind this this band was to to fuse elements of of classical music with you know with with rock and then there's also this um, sort of futuristic vibe and so from what I know uh, of their catalog that's that's what they do or what what Jeff Lynne does and so yeah so this this carries that out I don't know sometimes I've always avoided really getting into the the ELO catalog um, and I'm not sure why maybe just because of the songs I know there's like a little gaudy or or cringy or or something (laughs) 
but it, it really yeah. should be up my alley, you know, because I do like sort of more progressive stuff and theatrical sounding things. Um, so I, I was happy to, to listen to this album. I enjoyed it a lot. Now, it's not the first uh, attempt in rock and roll at, at, you know, bringing in classical elements. You know, I was reminded of the Moody Blues Days of Future Past, uh, which came out in like 1967. But this album, it, it's uh, a much smoother, I guess, combination of, uh, of the orchestration and the rock and roll. So like with the Moody Blues album, it's like you have these rock songs and then kind of in between the songs are like these, you know, classical interludes. So, you know, it's pretty obvious. I don't know. It just doesn't all blend together uh, in the way that, that this does. So, you know, I, I appreciate Jeff Lynn uh, uh, doing this. Yeah. Uh, my three words to describe it kind of like Don's music, songs, singing. <laughs> <laughs> just, just kidding. <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a lot of choices. Another was going to be unpretentious Pink Floyd. Uh-huh. But instead, I'm going to go with... theatrical dreamy depression there's all these songs and the intro has this kind of like speaking voice this evil Mm -hmm. voice and when you're listening to it it's like you're in a dark theater looking at a stage Mm -hmm. like i don't know how else to describe it but this it's just swirly like Mm. all it's this every song is like a little tornado Mm -hmm. you know they just pick up steam and just take off. It's 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 interesting. I mean, all the ELO catalog, the early stuff in particular is interesting. But this is, I feel like, when he really starts to be unafraid. I, I like this period in at least I listen to their seventies records, but it feels like he hasn't gotten too far down that road at this point yet. Like some of the later records really do get into that grandeur that Don was talking about, like get maybe a little bit cheesy and schmaltzy sounding. But I think, like you were saying. Dude, like the cinematic quality of the music here is so in your face. And I think for me, I find it pretty captivating getting kind of caught up in the swells and, you know, the ups and downs of this of the story somewhat, but mostly just like the energy that he's putting into, the, into this musically. Let's see. So I want to play the next cut here entitled Boy Blue, which is about a, we're inside one of the dreams that this main character is having. And he's like returning from battle after like some sort of holy war. I think it's probably the most upbeat and happiest track on the record. Yeah, I heard a lot of Pink Floyd on this record, actually, now that you now that you say that, dude. Like, definitely moments where they cover some similar territory. Yeah, it definitely has It's a brighter feel, though, than Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd has this sort of mysterious kind of, almost like a sinister vibe or something. And, and this is, yeah, this feels uh, much, much brighter. And more accessible in some ways. I feel like Pink Floyd is sort of walled off <laughs> in Ooh. terms of, there's definitely... I mean, Roger Waters, there's the name, ding, 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 <laughs> has a self-importance that Jeff Lynn doesn't have, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll buy that. Um, okay, so the next thing I want to play here is kind of the the big uh, conclusion, the big uh, crescendo to the album. This is the title track, El Dorado. Yeah, that's a really great moment too. It has a there's a Bowie-ishness. I think the theatricality leans more towards the Bowie yeah. flavor than than like the Pink Floyd flavor. Yeah, 
And he really goes for it on that track. I was initially a little scared by that, but I kind of was into it by the end. <laughs> like he, he pulls it off more or less. I don't remember if it's that song or maybe it's a little earlier, but, uh, you know, he kind of channels Roy Orbison. Yeah, I hear a lot of vocal overlap between some of these members and their and their styles yeah. here. Yeah, speaking of which, I hear a lot of, of bands I listen to nowadays and, and coming from this record in particular, like uh, Spiritualized, I think sounds almost exactly like they're ripping their sound off of, of from ELO. And even Arcade Fire that we talked about a couple shows back, I could hear some, some similarities and yeah. how they structure their albums and stuff here. So, yeah, for me, just another like really great 70s psych rock record and I could listen to these. I could do this all day with these records. So. All right, that's uh, El Dorado by Electric Light Orchestra. Excuse me, I'd like to ask you a few questions. You know what time it is. It's question time. Let's ask ourselves one. Gentlemen, who would you put in a modern day version of the Traveling Wilburys? So we're looking for some uh, talented songwriters, some soaring voices, some gravelly voices. Some who voices. <laughs> Do they have to sound like Bob Dylan? Is that a recording? <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> they don't have to. All right, what do we think? Throw some out there. Off the top of my head here, um, I think Elvis Costello hmm. in a super group. I can think of, but I think he would be good. I was like, he has a very distinct voice. It's kind of in that, that same register. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's got the who thing going on here and there. Yeah. Although he's not much younger than some of these guys, I think. Oh, he could have, he could have been in the original group. The other guy that would that came to mind would be Steve Gunn. He's like a indie folk guy. Um, I think he's a great lyricist and also an awesome guitarist. So a good addition to any supergroup. Well, I mean, if you if we're doing a, a Dylan like person, I mean, so we're we're talking about lyrics, and so I mean, one of my favorite lyricists from kind of the modern era would be uh, Ben Gibbard from Death Cab for Cutie. Um, you know, I think, nice. yeah, uh, I think he'd be good. I've, I've never listened to Death Cab for oh. Cutie. Well, stay tuned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're going to have to. Um, and then, I don't know, maybe, uh, maybe he hasn't earned it yet, but maybe a, a Chris Stapleton. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think he's earned it. it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you jam with a member of NSYNC, You've earned it. <laughs> oh, those are good picks. All right. So, yeah, I would say perhaps Jeff Tweedy from Wilco. Mm-hmm. He's got the, you know, he's got the songwriting. He's got the kind of, he's got the right kind of voice for it. Mm-hmm. I think he could collaborate well with others. Uh, Jay Buchanan from Rival Sons. He can, his voice can soar like Roy. He could do Roy Orbison stuff, you know. Yeah. And then uh, Ryan Bingham, if you want some darker lyrics and some really gravelly vocals, <laughs> that's that's the guy. Uh, for those that aren't necessarily familiar with his music, he does. He's on the show Yellowstone. He's one of the ranch hands that plays the guitar all the time. You know his voice. He sings on on the show, but uh, <laughs> his albums are worth checking out too. Uh, how about okay. a John Mayer? John Mayer. Mayer. <laughs> I could be mayor. <laughs> it's spelled differently. Oh, freaking back to the future. It's everywhere in my mind. Um, <laughs> now, he'd be an interesting pick. I didn't thought about him, but. Yeah, he's a great guitarist. He is. And interesting I mean, lyricist. Yeah. 
yeah, your body is a wonderland. <laughs> He's done other things besides what. <laughs> um, yeah, one of the guys that we I think we all came up with initially it would be Jack White. He seems like kind of an obvious maybe right. guy to lead that project. He'd be, the, he'd be the producer. Yeah, he'd be the Jeff Lynn. Yeah, seems like a good fit for him. So yeah, let's hear this record, man. Make this shit happen. All right, so guys and gals, album nerds, what do you think? Who would you put in a modern-day version of the Traveling Wilburys? Let us know. Albumnerds.com slash Discord. So I think it was uh, obligatory uh, to do one of the, the Traveling Wilburys uh, records. Uh, so I chose the, the first one, uh, known as the, the Traveling Wil- Wilburys Volume 1, uh, released in October of 1988. Uh, let's uh, let's start with the the first track on the album. This is uh, "Handle with Care." Everybody got somebody to lean on. Put your body next to okay, so the well, the the three words I, I chose to describe the album uh, actually stole from from George Harrison. Uh, he called the Traveling Wilburys Skiffle for the the 1990s. Um, and so, if you're not familiar with Skiffle, um, I mean, I don't know a lot about it either. But it was kind of like a, a folky tradition. I, I think it's the one where you have like the washboard, you know, and all that stuff. So just a very makeshift uh, folk thing that uh, it was actually quite popular uh, in England, I guess, in the 1950s. Um, you know, I think like John Lennon and Paul McCartney were. You you know, doing skiffle things uh, in those days. Um, and so while this doesn't sound like skiffle, I, I think I get what, what he means. You know, I mean, it's just sort of, you know, I just picture, you know, five guys getting together and, um, you know, just just playing songs. You know, my understanding is that, well, they, they recorded this album at Dave Stewart's um, studio and house or whatever. Eurythmics, dude. Yes, that's that's him. Uh, and the Spiritual Cowboys, remember them? No, I do not. But I, but I will go, I'll check that out. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> Dave Stewart, Spiritual name. Cowboys, yeah. So I I guess they were all like just uh, sitting in a circle in, in Dave Stewart's kitchen, you know, each strumming an acoustic guitar and, and coming up with, with songs, you know. So I, I think that sort of organic. Just a, songs. Yeah, I think that <laughs> organic uh, approach, uh, you know, sort of meets that or fits that, that skiffle vibe. Okay, yeah. Well, what do you guys think of the, the Traveling Wolfberries Volume 1? Um, I, okay, so my three words are true super group because super groups is a term that's thrown around or whatever. And it's usually a mix of, of guys from different guys and gals from different bands. You, know, you, put the, you find a guitarist or a drummer that was in some other band before. Oh, they were in Guns N' Roses. They'll join the band. But this. These are all superstars of their own right. All songwriters all stood on their own. They, they were not bit players in anything ever before. Well, no, not even George Harrison because it's the Beatles. So yeah. I like this album. It feels very of its time, very 1988 here and there in terms of just the production style. I don't think this is any of these artists' best work. But it is fun to listen to, and it's fun to hear their voices mixed together, and it does just seem like a bunch of dudes that are having fun because they don't get an opportunity to do this kind of loose stuff too often. They've spent decades being directed by their record labels and expectations, and there were, I don't think there were any expectations here, which is part of why I think it's fun. Well, my, my three words were greatness in a box. I think there are definitely some good moments on here, and like those... I mean, who would... 
wouldn't kill to be in that freaking kitchen with those guys hanging out. And yeah, no kidding. Then I'll just you know muck about. That would be pretty amazing. And there's definitely moments on this record that capture that sort of creativity, inventive, sort of just collaborative spirit. But I would say at least half of it felt like it was kind of, I hate to diss on Jeff Lynn after just talking him up in the last record, but I feel like maybe his production style just kind of like shoehorned kind of like, so what dude was saying there, kind of like this 80s style into these songs that maybe didn't need to be there. So uh, yeah, definitely mixed. There's a lot of good songs on here though that I really did enjoy. I think we'll get to a couple in a second, but overall, I guess I was kind of ho-hum on this. In in fairness, I think about the intended audience at the time, right? These were baby boomer generation fans for the most part that would be into this. And for whatever reason, like a lot of these artists kind of went that slick direction in terms of production, like Steve Winwood, we've talked about before and, and others where it's got that sound. And I think it's because that's what, that's what the boomers were digging, yeah. you know, at the yeah, time. Popular. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, uh, I mean, handle with care in the end of the line. Um, I mean, those were getting played on on top forty, you know, and they were they were big hits. So really, I mean, for about a three or four year period there, you know, Jeff Lynn was kind of on a on a production role. So he had just done the the George Harrison um, Cloud Nine album. You know, he did this, he did Mystery Girl with Roy Orbison, and then he did you know Full Moon Fever with you know Tom Petty, which was uh, which was huge. Um, but there's just that that. Jeff Lynn production sound that like handle with care had there. It's just like that driving rhythm. And then I don't know if it's like strumming uh, acoustic guitars or something. The dun, 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 dun. It's almost, it's like his own version of Phil Spector's wall of sound or, or something. Hmm. Yeah, um, totally. But yeah, you know, from this period, you can really recognize uh, Jeff Lynn production. Uh, okay. Well, let's, uh, let's hear some more. One of the tracks I find kind of interesting is uh, Margarita. So let's hear some of that. That one has some longer uh, instrumental parts in it, which which I like, and I, I would have liked more of that uh, on this album. But uh, yeah, and then the, let's hear another track. I mean, this one is so obviously uh, from you know the mind of Bob Dylan, uh, Tweeter and the Monkey Man. This sort of marks a. A career resurgence for for all of these guys, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. after you know, Dylan was kind of in the uh, in sort of a you know commercial um, slump. Yeah, and uh, even like Tom Petty had kind of fallen off the radar a little bit, and then you know all of them kind of you know moved on and you know had some uh, you know some commercial success. Yeah, I, I think those two songs in particular are really strong. Like that's a really good Dylan song, just even outside of Wilburys. Um, yeah, and I feel like they're really having having fun on those on those tracks. Like there's a goof, there's a good sense of humor to them, and just they feel pretty loose. So yeah, I think that's when it went to its best. I love that kind of Bruce Springsteenish version of Bob Dylan. Like I know it's funny that Bob Dylan was heavily influent, a big influence of of Bruce Springsteen, but I feel like there's something working man about the way he's using his voice mm-hmm. and it's less that then he is stiff and it's that gravelly version of him. And maybe that was just cigarettes and time, yeah. <laughs> but I like it and it fits really well on this record. 
Yeah, I guess one final thought, and maybe it relates back to, to what Dude was saying about expectations. You know, when you have five giants in rock and roll together, you know, you might think, oh, this is going to be the, you know, the greatest work of, you know, music of all time or something. And, and it's not, but they also, they didn't try to make it that, you know, again, it's just right. five guys playing together and, you know, recording music. And so I guess I appreciate it for that. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's not a, it's a fun record. I, I think, you know, it's a, it's a good listen, but it's, you know, it's not an all-time great, but you should listen to it anyway. Uh, that's uh, the Traveling Wilburys uh, <laughs> Volume One. <laughs> it's okay. Go enjoy. <laughs> no, that's good. And now, a word from our sponsor. Us. This is friendship, pure, unadulterated friendship. Oh, yeah. Are you a music fan? Love the album format? Want to share your superior musical tastes? Join us on the Album Nerds Discord, albumnerds.com slash discord, to talk with like-minded nerds, suggest topics for the show, and to find out what's happening next. Hello, my name is George Harrison, and it's nice to be here, and we're going to be talking about my music, and I hope you enjoy the show. All right, so uh, it's my turn. We're talking about George Harrison uh, of the Beatles, British rock band of some Sounds fame. Sounds familiar. Go on. George Harrison. Hey, that was good. <laughs> ha- Harrison. I don't know. He's got like that sort of nasal. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, all things must pass. George Harrison, November of 1970. I didn't, I guess somehow I had forgotten this. This is not his first album. It's his first post breakup from the Beatles album, but there were a couple of experimental records before this. So why don't we jump in with Isn't It a Pity? Now isn't it a shame How we break each other's hearts All right, so Isn't It a Pity? One of the kind of cornerstone songs on this album. It's a triple album. It's very long. It's pretty much George Harrison writing a bunch of songs while with the Beatles, and when the Beatles were done recording all of those songs. But somehow it works as an album. We'll dig into that a little bit. My three words to describe this album were, things must pass. I cheated too. Um, <laughs> because, you know, things changed, life changes, and that 26-year-old George Harrison, unbelievable, 26, and an ex-Beatle, uh-huh. right? So he had a whole world in front of him, but... You know, the Beatles and that part of life had passed and how do you how do you move forward? So that's what I was thinking about. I don't know if that was the intention of that lyric, but that's what was in my head throughout uh, listening to this record. Gentlemen, give me your words. Well, my words are, you got to pay attention. Yeah. This record for me was a bit of a bit of a challenge to review. As you said, it's very lengthy, which makes it harder but it's also a very intricate record, I would say. There's a lot going on kind of in the details. Um, and when I did really focus on it and listen to it like exclusively, I thought it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I, I just want to clear a quick note. I, I really loved the end of it. I was really surprised by the last, I guess, the last disc in the original release. Just kind of like Apple Jam portion, I think it's called. Awesome. Really cool blues guitar. I had no idea that was in his repertoire. This sort of like... Uh, just jam guitar awesome really cool surprising and i really enjoyed that part and yeah i feel like i'm just rambling but it was it's a very difficult record but i liked it overall 
This one's going to be tough for all of us to keep our minds right and straight. But yeah, there were multiple musicians involved on this. Whole bands, Eric Clapton, Ringo Starr. I mean, I don't want to get into the whole list, but tons and tons of contributors. Phil Collins, um, Mm. supposedly. Peter Frampton. So yeah, uh, there's a lot to listen to. Don, what do you think? I was going to make a joke about it being long and hard, but... (laughs) (laughs) You just did. (laughs) Wow. You know, this masterpiece, this this is what we're going to do. This is how we act. This is how we behave, Don. This isn't Florida, sir. Uh, Okay, so the the three words I I used were uh, free at last, right? You hear that, Andy? I I used three words. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They went down, name. so good job. Uh, so, you know, obviously I, I'm just referring to, uh, you know, this is a, a creative force that was probably, uh, repressed a, a little bit or suppressed, or I'm not sure what the, the word is, but, you know, he was only given, uh, you know, two songs, uh, an album when he was with the Beatles pretty much. And I mean, I love a lot of the, the Harrison tracks, uh, from the Beatles, but now, you know, he's, you know, he's free, you know, to, to do what he wants. Um, and I'm not sure it's right to say that he's just kind of like throwing up all his creativity because that has a negative connotation. Um, but he's just had so much in there bottled up and it's finally, uh, finally being released. And generally, I, I think a lot of the time double albums or a triple albums would be better off, um, you know, being separate albums, you know, but now yeah, I'm not sure that that's the, the case with this one because I mean, I, I don't see any or hear any filler uh, on this album. You know, it, it works as a whole. I mean, it is a challenge. It's hard to just, you know, sit down and experience, uh, you know, a, a two hour record. Um, but when you do, it's, it's amazing. So yeah, I mean, just, uh, it's great. And, and I, I like the Apple Jams, uh, part too. I mean, that's just, that's just so cool. Well, speaking of detail, I'm going to do a little bit more of Isn't It a Pity, the end of it. I'm sure you guys noticed this, um, Hey Jude reference, mm. mm-hmm. you know, sonically. Yeah, I just, I liked, uh, you know, the, Phil Spector actually did a good job here. Some, I mean, I'm sure he was wasted the whole time and crazy, <laughs> but he, I think, was able to help George realize the grandiosity of what he, of, of his, of his work. I think, you know, when you work with George Martin for years too, that's what you're accustomed to. Something big, not just me and an acoustic guitar and a harmonica, which he could have done too. And definitely Bob Dylan is an influence on him throughout this album, wrote and co-wrote a couple of the songs. So uh, why don't we jump into All Things Must Pass, which is title track, very well known. The Beatles worked on it for Let It Be. It just didn't work out. They did They did try like 30 takes of different versions of it, and it just didn't make the cut. So let's listen to that. So I must be on my way. I'm fascinated by the the spirituality of this album. Lots of songs talking about spirituality. The sadness at times, but also the joy in life. I mean, I feel like, you know, his religious studies made him sort of guru-ish, you know, at 26. That's crazy to think he was doing this stuff at 26. It sounds such a wise record and such a mature record, you know. 
Any thoughts on that, Donald? No. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to say the same thing. But, so. What I found, listening to this on streaming services is tough, or even on a CD, because it's one big clump of songs. And the streaming services have these different versions, and you can't tell what the true track list is supposed to be. So I did listen to it a couple of times on vinyl, so I could get, I could get that side by side by side by side by side experience and it that's the way to listen to it uh in my opinion 100 percent agree man yeah I, the version on spotify is trash in my opinion uh, it's got like duplicate versions of songs at the end of the first half and the track lesson is is changed it's it's a mess it sounds way i've ended up just putting together a playlist of the original track listing and it sounds 10 times better Doing it the vinyl way helped me calm my mind a little bit so that I was listening to it in the way that it was presented at the time. I mean, that's the only way people, I mean, maybe eight track, but that's the main way people were consuming this album. So that really did help. So the Apple Jams portion that you guys brought up, let's jump into Out of the Blue. Uh, apparently, what happened was all these different artists coming together to the Apple Studios, They, to get to know each other musically, they just started jamming, and, and these were the results of that. Or so I've read on the internet, which we know is totally reliable. <laughs> yeah. Shockingly, it's like its own... It's like he just put out an instrumental album. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You could just listen to this all on its own just to have some enjoyable jam out music. It's really surprisingly yeah. great. Not it's not throwaway stuff yeah, at it all. It doesn't sound like just like like a jam session. It sounds like really well thought out songs. Especially out of the blue and uh Thanks for the Pepperoni. That was a really good yeah. closer. Yeah. <laughs> great title too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll mention a few standout tracks. I'd have you anytime. The opener, "My Sweet Lord." We're not going to get into the controversy about that, but you know that's a very spiritual song. Hallelujah, Hare Krishna. Uh, well known. Wah wah. You know, apparently when there was a short breakup with the Beatles, he wrote wah wah as an angry, angry about being told what to do with the wah pedal and stuff. <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and. Uh, Apple Scruffs, I'll mention that one too. Kind of a harmonica guitar song about uh, what they called the the people that would hang out outside of Abbey Road Studios, and it was kind of a thank you, a tr- you know, a tribute to the fans. So, but there's just uh, too many tracks to to list. But please, you know, I know we made this sound scary, but find a way to listen to yeah. it. Or I, I guess what, one of my favorite things about the album is the the slide guitar, which I guess is something that that George Harrison kind of embraced in this in this period. And it's on like "My Sweet Lord," and it's it's actually kind of what I think of when when I you know when I think of George Harrison solo stuff is that that slide guitar sound. It's so it's oddly emotional though. It it's it kind of sounds like lap steel, yep. you know, like but it's not. It's I mean, it's weepy. It's like, you know, his guitar is gently weeping. <laughs> I wonder if it, you know, because he did spend a few years learning the sitar, and I wonder if playing that kind of instrument maybe ha- had him approach the slide guitar in a more novel way. I don't know. Hot take. I think this was the best of the solo, the, at least the initial solo albums after the breakup of the Beatles, 
I think it's the most full, the most thought out, the most rich. And it's not about the Beatles. True. Where Paul and John were kind of like throwing FUs <laughs> at each other. <laughs> this was just making the music that he'd been wanting to make. And uh, another hot take. I'm going to nominate this. Oh, shit. Thought you might. Ain Hoff Alert. Album Nerds Hall of Fame nomination incoming. Warning. An Ain Hoff outbreak is imminent. Oh, yeah. Batten down the hatches. Let's make this quick. Yes or no? Don. Yes. <laughs> uh, yes from Don. I, you know, uh, yeah, definitely. It's a cool record. I'm going to try and be a jerk for a second there, but there's no really no argument against this, I don't think. So, so anyway, do you think this is an Album Nerd Hall of Fame album? Of course you do. Go listen to it. It's called All Things Must Pass. George Harrison, The Greatest Willberry. <laughs> oh man, those are fighting words there, dude. Yeah, that's debatable. <laughs> okay, so I'm thinking cosmically and karmically and in the terms of musical destiny, we're probably done with these dudes for a while. <laughs> I don't know what, what the wheel will do next, but I feel like there was some higher purpose here and, and we got through it. Yeah, expectations were through the roof for all these artists. It was great stuff to listen to, and um, I'm glad we got a chance to talk about George Harrison and, and all things must pass. So what what I learned was let destiny do its thing. <laughs> I think uh, I think what I learned most with you was just like thinking about how influential these five guys have been on pretty much our taste in music. I think for all three of us, like for 40, 50 years of their careers, like really important figures and to have them all like lumped together into this group maybe didn't have the best results in terms of an album but just to think that they're all like friends and kind of like understand each other and are on the same page with you know where things are headed or it's just a cool it's a cool idea it is kind of like justice league or avengers or something like that like or (laughs) wu-tang feels bigger than than life sort of yeah um yeah my only regret from this experience is that we we didn't really get to talk about uh tom petty uh, who, who I assume was probably the, the youngest member of the Traveling Wilburys. Um, but, I, but I just think he's, he's an interesting character to talk about in the, in the world of rock and roll. Uh, I know there's lots of you know, differing uh, opinions about him. So I, I do hope we, we get to uh, talk about one of his records in the, in the future. I thought about that too. I know, we'll get, I know he'll come around. He's intertwined with too many things not to, not to make an appearance here some point so that's one to grow on i'm your density i mean your destiny all right boys and girls gather around for a very special announcement we have declared a winner in the uh contest to name the, the ai bot that controls our our wheel of musical destiny and the uh the winner is Wadbot. Wadbot. Wadbot just rolls right off the tongue. I think it, I think whenever you say it, you have to sing it. Wadbot. Try it. Wadbot. Not unless the wheel tells me to. <laughs> Roy Orbison can do it. Wadbot. No. no. Stop doing it. <laughs> Get old Wadbot out here and uh, give it a spin. Firstly, Wadbot, really? 
I was hoping for something more dignified like Dame Judi Dench, but destiny is destiny I suppose. Speaking of that, your musical destiny is to explore albums recommended by your fellow album nerds. So for those of you familiar with albumnerds.com slash discord, we have a section on there where people make album recommendations. Gentlemen, we will comb that section and we will find albums that we love, or at least like, <laughs> and talk about those on the next episode. Oh, yeah. So if you want to get involved, you could potentially go in and just leave a, a link to your favorite album. Maybe we'll pick it. What would you like us to review? Let us know. Join fellow album nerds on Discord at albumnerds.com slash Discord. You can email us at podcast at albumnerds.com or leave a voicemail at 585-210-2454. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Album Nerds. And if you'd like to support the show, do so via PayPal at albumnerds.com slash support or leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. All right. Thanks again for listening to the Album Nerds podcast. Catch us next week. We'll be checking out some listener recommendations, and I'll probably just choose something that I recommended. You can't pick your own stuff, man. That's against the rules. Blood bottle. Okay. I might have my wife uh, join up and make some recommendations. <laughs> Sounds a little suspicious. Depeche Mode Violator. Oh, man. <laughs> Catch you next time when we'll be talking about albums that you've recommended for us. See you next week. Do you think all things must pass would be a good jingle for C-Core laxatives? Yes, I do. <laughs> I don't think Danny Harrison would approve that. <laughs> Sorry. So I've moved on to like dad jokes at the end. <laughs>